0: This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy.
1: <laughs> All right. This is AF Measures Podcast, episode 112. And this week, I am delighted to say that we will be reviewing The Outlaws from the creative mind of Sir Stephen Merchant, who, like me, was born in Bristol. And as we say in Bristol, Dan, this podcast will be Gert Lush. Here's a creative mind. All right, Dan.
0: What what you can't appreciate from listening to the audio of this podcast is that when Paul does this accent, he kind of like hunches up into like a tight little ball and it's like kind of neck like sinks down. And it's like you, you're channeling something deep inside.
1: Yeah. I, I sort of mixing a bit of West Country in there with Bristol because I was born in Bristol and lived in the West Country for nearly 20 years. And what is funny is. It's, it's like, what I love about the accent is you don't realise how different it sounds until you leave. So for the first okay. sort of 20 years of my life, I thought, this is how the world talks. And it turns out that's not the case. And so, yes, yeah, so one of the things we're watching this week, then, the Outlaws uh, brought back a lot of, I, I've not watched something which has been said in my hometown before with so many accents like that. It was extraordinary. But let's not let's not dive into that just yet.
0: Oh, well we've got we've got lots to talk about this week because we've had so many joint watches.
1: Yeah, we have. We've um some weeks we come in with not much. This week we've got quite a few things. Also, before we start then, we should probably say that in our excitement, you know, for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that comes out next month, um, we should let listeners know that we do have something different planned for the next four podcasts. Um, we're gonna go back in time and do a timeline rewatch of the Star Wars movies f- starting with episode one, The Phantom Menace. Um, But then maybe the reason isn't all because of old Ben Kenobi as to why we're doing those four podcasts.
0: I guess when it comes down to it, Paul, one of the reasons is one of our Patreon producers has signed up to a whole new tier (laughs) of the membership.
1: (laughs) She has indeed. And I'd love to see what the rates are associated with that.
0: It's it's through the roof. It's through the roof. So, yeah, myself and Samara King are off to get married. and we're off on a, a little bit of a a honeymoon. But we we didn't want to drop the the half measure schedule. So we thought let's do some Star Wars reviews. That felt timely. It felt like the right thing to do. Let's keep the ball moving. Um. So though it will be a little bit different for you, we hope it's still fun. And then we will be back to sort of our re, you know normal sort of schedule program. But I think. This this, ta- this Star Wars timeline rewatch has been quite the experience. And so I think we're going to have to do all the movies eventually, Paul.
1: Oh, 100%. I'm already like, you know, so we've got these four podcasts pre-recorded. I mean, for a Half Measures podcast, I think we've done a pretty good job here to get ourselves prepared for all this. But those four that we've recorded, it was a great time. And, you know, along the way, we'll we're sort of, Questioning things that we'd like to change about each movie, and and we're ranking them as we go. So it's a it's a bit of a different experience for about a month for us, but it was great fun to record.
0: Now while we're away, Paul, like I don't want you slacking. You know, I want you know social media fully operational. that, um, you know, th- things don't just stop here at the Half Measures office.
1: I expect you to at least like one of the posts so that I know you're watching. Otherwise, I'll just stop altogether.
0: That's look, I occasional likes. I can't be too I can't be too serial killer about it.
1: Indeed. Well, we've got a lot to get into, so let's let's um, let's get into that. Dan, what have you been watching this week?
0: Great question, Paul. Um, so the first I've actually read another Star Wars book is the first thing that I've done. Oh yes. So I am. I'm kind of a bit haphazard about this. Like, I'm not reading these Star Wars books in any real order. But the book that I've read this week is Star Wars Phasma by Delia S. Dawson. And this is a book, obviously, about Captain Phasma, Uh, Captain Phasma was first introduced, speaking of Star Wars movies, in The Force Awakens and was kind of one of those characters which I think of a little bit like Boba Fett, where just in the background and we're all just like dying to know more about her and in the context of the the last three movies, it was kind of a little bit of a fizzle in terms of just like who she was and what her backstory was and it's tough, right? Because when you think about it in the context of the Star Wars universe... And, and what those movies are trying to do. There's, there's no time to tell everyone's backstory. There's no time to invest in, you know, all these different things going on. It would have been a real mess. So I think this is where things like the, you know, the kind of the extended universe through the books really, really come to light. So... The basic sort of premise of this is it kind of is the the origin story of, of how phasma came to be captain phasma within the first order and without going sort of too deep into sort of spoiler territory the book kind of starts off and in, in Phasma's in a she's in kind of a, a nuclear wasteland type planet it's she lives in a tribe. Uh, they've got like no technology. There used to be technology on the, on the planet. Um, they're often warring with other tribes. It's kind of a real, we live and die by the the food that we catch for the day, the water that we can collect. Um, And every day is a struggle. And then one day a, a First Order ship crashes on that planet. And um, Brendel Hux, um, who's actually the, the – the general of that of that starship, um, he he crashes on the planet. All of these different sort of tribes are racing to sort of find out who's crashed, who they are. Turns out to be Brendel Hux. There's a couple of stormtroopers with him, and Phasma basically, and, and a few of her, her warrior clan, go on a mission to try to reunite uh, Brendel Hux with his with his spaceship so that he can call down the First Order and get some help. And just to sort of clarify, so Brendel Hux is actually the father of Armitage Hux, who we more commonly know from the, the Star Wars movies. And it's basically just the, the story of how she kind of goes from a, a tribal warrior and turns into one of the, I guess, most, most trusted and kind of highly ranked uh, stormtroopers in the, in the Star Wars universe.
1: From memory, this is one that is told from the point of view of an interrogation um, of a character set in the what we would consider the present around circa The Force Awakens timeline, right?
0: Yeah, well, this is sort of the interesting thing about this book, right, is it's told from the point of view of someone watching Phasma and how they kind of operate. And and so the person that's captured is actually uh, uh, working for the Rebel uh, Alliance. And they're basically having to, re- you know, they're kind of being tortured and having to sort of reveal information about Captain Phasma to another captain in the... Um, in the order, uh, which is Captain Cardinal, and so we don't we don't see him, but he's basically the equivalent of Captain Phasma, and he wears red armor, and he's he's interrogating this this character. That he wants to bring down Phasma. He doesn't like her. Um, everything she does has sort of got a, a bit of a, a stench to it. And so so the way that Phasma's role kind of plays out, particularly in the first order, is she basically. If you think about it, actually, I'll just go back a bit. These these two captains. So, Captain Cardinal, he trains the the youngest of the recruits. So basically, um, orphans, people from new planets, like the really young ones. And then when they reach a certain age, they then transition over to um, Phasma's training, and and she sort of does the 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 real sort of next level, puts them through like a, a finalizer type course to to make sure they're ready. So these two captains are kind of always vying for who's the most important, who's got sort of the um the ear of the the general. And so there's real dislike for them. And so Cardinal's really trying to bring her down. And it's it's an interesting story because like I think I read it because I I was always intrigued by Phasma mm. and kind of disappointed we didn't get more um and the way the story is told as I sort of said before it's it's not from phasma's perspective it's from someone looking on to see how phasma kind of operates through all these situations and this this desert wasteland planet they live on it's just non-stop things trying to kill you um people trying to take over um trying to stop you achieving your your mission and it's 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 a pretty hard place to live and you know phasma's sort of use this as an opportunity to be like, I've got to get off this planet and Brendel Hux feels like my ticket.
1: Yeah. I, um, I have a, a latent memory of, of reading this book. And I remember the, I remember the back cover had the red helmet on for, which was Cardinals and sort of gave you that impression. And his character actually shows up in another book called, uh, galaxy's edge black spire, which is also written by, um, Delilah S Dawson. And so you get a bit more about him there too, but, um, yeah, I felt the same way as you, Dan. And I was kind of, I feel like, and we haven't got to this in our Star Wars timeline rewatch yet, but I feel, looking back, I feel like we were sold down the river a little bit by the trailers and the posters about the impact of who Phasma was and what her role might be and how significant. And and yes, um, you know, there's there was the the ending that happened in the last jedi for the character but i just it never felt like quite enough and i wanted to know more i felt like i actually got more from this character in the the animated show resistance which is you know interesting Mm -hmm. and so this book really does fill that gap but i remember one of the things i really appreciated was the the notion of being inside one of these first order star destroyers and sort of like the way things worked on these sort of I don't know if it's like the the prison decks of where these um, where Vi or V whoever it was was being held. Um, it's an interesting read. It's definitely a different vibe to most of the other Star Wars novels that I have read. But um, yeah, you are jumping all over the place. I like that.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's interesting there because I think it actually, in a way, makes it even worse in the movies because then I know that we're really jumping the gun now. That you know in the book. Phasma is like a a stone-cold killer. Mm-hmm. She is an unstoppable warrior. She's um, learnt some of the most fiercest sort of hand-to-hand combat, and I think to then actually see her ultimate demise in the movie is kind of just a bit out of sync. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting book, right? And I one of the reasons I read it is I, I saw a review of um, some different Star Wars books, and someone was sort of recommending how much they enjoyed this one. I enjoyed it, but I found it a little bit more of a, a a slog at times because like it's it's a big book, and it's like there's a lot of backstory and a lot of challenges, and it's like it's good, but I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the books that I've read. Um, but I think if you're particularly interested in that sort of first order, that the more the latest trilogies, this will definitely give you something about Phasma.
1: Yeah. I think for the subject matter and the characters, I think the author did as good a good a story as I would expect to have got from Vasman. I really liked the whole Hux's son uh, sorry, Hux's father element. I thought that was that was mm-hmm. good as well. So um yeah, nice one. You're you're going through these books, Dan.
0: It's really good actually. Um I feel like I need to Take a breath and actually just work out like what order I should be reading them because I feel like every time, particularly talking about these Star Wars reviews we've done, I'm just jumping around and I get we talk about something and I get excited about that and I want to read about it, but it's it's probably doing nothing for the sort of the timeline in my head. So I wonder whether I should you know take take stock and and take a bit more of a a focused effort. Nice. The next thing that I've watched, Paul. You'll be, you'll be proud of me for this, as I thought I'd give Shetland a bit of a go. So, you know, last week you you were on on the pod talking about Season 6. Aye. And there's something weird with the seasons of Shetland in the sense that on uh, IMDb, the first season of Shetland only shows two episodes, yeah. and which is Red Bones Part 1 and 2. On Netflix, however, it shows about 10 episodes in Season one and that sort of, I think, takes into account season two and a little bit of three. Yeah. So when I say I've watched season one of Shetland, and then probably a little bit of two, it's I'm more talking about I've, I've watched the the Red Bones part and I've, yeah. I've started the the next series, and it was um, I'm intrigued. Um, I can see some of the the qualities uh, of of why you like the show. It's it's very. I'm finding that very slow and very dry, yeah. but I'm I am enjoying uh, Di Jimmy Perez, and I think there's uh, I feel like there's some great Scottish anger in there, and it sort of busts out of his character every now and again. And uh, there's something I kind of like about um, UK uh, cops, and there's like you know there's no not what what I've seen so far. There's no violence. There's no guns. There's no weapons. There's just kind of like good old-fashioned policing yeah. and kind of like, you know, you got to rattle some cages, but you do it in a different way.
1: I am delighted that you're on board this show. I think what you're saying is a fair reflection for the first season. In fact, even possibly elements of the second season. For me, Shetland, season three, four, five, six, that is they've really hit the ground. And I know we say this a lot about TV shows, oh, you know, give it the first season or a so. I, th- I think that's definitely the case with with Chetland even just looking now I just quickly looked at some of the pictures of of season one. It's incredible because he just looks um, you know, I, I mean I guess it's nine years ago that's why he looks so much younger um, Jimmy Perez that is but um yeah it's the, the first one is a very short series. Um, and yeah the ratings sort of reflect I guess what I'm saying. That's great that you're on board with it and this is Netflix right?
0: Yeah, this is on Netflix. So, and I'm just kind of watching it as a like. I don't think I want to like power through it, but I'm kind of just watching it as a bit of a a slow burn. And it always kind of fascinates me um, when they have these police shows on a sort of small community of just how much crime and scandal and murders can actually go yeah, down yeah. in these, these small little communities. It's it's impressive.
1: It's great, and I feel like it's it's something that grows on you because. If I was to think about just having watched the one season, I don't know that I'd be getting my own vibe about what I was saying last week uh, mm. on the previous pod. So so as and when you pick up the extra seasons, I'll be interested to see what you think. Because for my money, it's yeah, around season three where you're like, oh yeah, this is great.
0: And it's even just sort of interesting, like so in the... The next episode that I'm into about this sort of, uh I think it's called the Raven Black, mm-hmm. and it's got like Brian Cox as kind of yeah. a, a, like it's you know we've got a bit of a star studded cast going on here.
1: Yeah, no, Brian Cox is always good value. I'd forgotten that he was the. Oh yes, that's right with the beard. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Good. So yeah, no, look, it's it, it's interesting. It's an interesting watch. It's it's definitely slow song i'll I'll be in I'm intrigued to see what sort of the shift is um as you say as we sort of get up a little bit higher in these season numbers and I've watched one other the show, and for some reason paul I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast, but I used our handy uh review um process on the database on the uh, website. website and it's not on there so I may have just talked to people about it as opposed to on the podcast I I've got a short memory I, I don't know what's going on I'm, I'm getting old um, but I've been watching Samara and I have been watching season one of euphoria and it's a, a show that um has got so much sort of hype around it we're a little bit late to the party to be honest um, and season two's just dropped and apparently season two is fantastic and it stars uh, Zendaya who you may know from spider-man Uh, Hunter Schaefer uh, Angus Cloud is, is basically this super gritty HBO show about these high school students who grapple with all these different issues of drugs and sex and violence and all these sort of scandals that are going on in the town and it's so like wonderfully narrated by Zendaya and she kind of Every every kid in this town, every young person, um, has a kind of like different issue and different kind of drama, and they all kind of collide together, and it's it's a pretty out there show. But we've we've had a, a great time watching season one.
1: I've heard a lot about this, and it's interesting because a, a lot of people at my work were were watching this, and they were all talking about it. And I was like, where can I watch this? And instinctively, two of them said to me, "Oh, this isn't for you, Paul." No, I don't, I don't think this is for you. And I was always cu- curious as to quite what they meant by that. And I'm just looking at it now and, you know, it's getting good ratings and it's getting really, you know, lots of seriously good reviews. Its popularity is, is for, you know, for a show that's three years old, its popularity is still showing as number 11 in the world, which is incredible.
0: It's interesting. I don't know if I would say it's a show for you either actually when I when I, when I think about now it. Now I'm gonna watch and it out of
1: defiance.
0: Yeah, you definitely should. It's I I don't know why I say that, but it's like it's 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 so out there and it like I've got a a, a young niece who's sixteen and a nephew who's who's twelve and it's it's kinda of like, God, it's just it's just the world that they're kind of like growing up and living in. Like it's kind of like when I think about our like I don't know about you, Paul, but when I was young, it was pretty, like, vanilla. It was cups of tea and at home playing video games. There's none of this craziness happening in the euphoria. And I know that the kind of parts of it are stretched, but it just does deal with so many uh, social issues. You kind of can't help but, like, just look on and just kind of, like, both wonder, shock, and awe.
1: Yeah. Okay. But it's uh, this is obviously attracting a lot of attention and getting a lot of good reviews. So for a lot of people, this sounds like it would be a good entertainment. What well, a good entertainment yeah, watch, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look and look, you. To be honest, I'm just giving you a a bit of grief. You, you. I think you would enjoy it. Um, and I think I've heard season two's um just as good, if not better. It's definitely not one to be watching when you've got young kids around. That's for sure.
1: I'm with you. I'm with you.
0: And that is me, Paul. Apart from our joint watches, how about you? So for me,
1: I I finished off the the Mission Impossible series. So I've done you know two each pod and got the last two this week. And I kind of feel like I want to talk about them both together. So this is Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, which was twenty fifteen, and then the the latest release, which is the sixth one, Mission Impossible Fallout from twenty eighteen um and the reason that they go together for me is you asked the question last week oh are they interlinked is there much continuity yes there is throughout the whole thing and we've got characters in this from right from the first movie lots of them from the third are back but then the the characters between these two movies are so interlinked that if you were to sit down and watch fallout having not seen any of them but particularly rogue nation it I wouldn't say it would not make sense, but it you would have no impact as to why things were important. It would really, really lose a lot. And this watching them in order just really brings that home for me. And what's fascinating as well then, and I said it last week, is the movies seem to be better, by and large getting better as they go along, with the exception of what I consider to be the blip of the second one. And that is the case in terms of just to skip ahead to the end. My rankings at the moment is to go six five four three one two it's literally the 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 finale of fallout i just think that is an astonishingly well-made movie um and i think having uh christopher McQuarrie write and direct both five and six um just really really helps to sort of link those two so well together he's He's really talented in terms of his, you know, what, what he does right. You know, he wrote the usual suspects. Um, he's he's done the, the screenplay for Maverick, not that we've seen yet. You know, he did Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, Jack Reacher, he wrote for the screen. He's um, Valkyrie. A lot of Tom Cruise stuff, um, but he just seems to write so well. And he just does action really, really well. The only thing I would say is, despite me ranking them like that, is by the time you get to the sixth movie and you sort of look at what they're doing and what they're getting up to, it it feels less like mission impossible than what mission impossible perhaps truly is in terms of, if you think about the TV show or anything like that, it's sort of, it's just a very good action movie, but a lot of the stuff they're doing, you know, if Anthony Hopkins was here from the second movie, he would be saying, you know, this, this isn't mission impossible. This is mission difficult. It's kind of, they've really, um, they've, they've sort of changed the flavor a little. So, Given that we've got two more movies to go, seven and eight, seven next year and eight the year after, I really hope they come back to the very core of the IMF and the Mission Impossible sort of uh, routine, if, if you know what I mean.
0: Mm, that makes sense. I think, you know, and I've been saying this throughout your rewatch, that I think I must have missed the Mission Impossible movie somewhere because I think, like you're saying, if you have, you know, not seen Rogue Nation, which I may not have. Or maybe I like, I feel like there's, there's, when the last time I watched Mission Impossible, I kind of walked away being a bit confused about the story. But again, this is just further cemented. I need to get back on board. I need to do the rewatch like you've done, particularly so I'm ready for the new movies. Uh, it's a shame to kind of hear, you know, that it's a little less about the IMF sort of as, as we've gone down this path. But, you know, it's, you know, it's. Look, like it is what it is. Maybe
1: maybe I should rephrase that and say it's still about the IMF, but maybe it's the way the IMF operate. Like if you think about the first movie, that is classic IMF and classic Mission Impossible. And I love the old TV series. I mean, I haven't not so much the eighties series, but the sixties series. And I it, this this rewatch of these movies is already making me think, mm. can I dive into those sixties TV shows again? I'd love to to dive back into them. And I think it's just something about the simplicity of of the, the trickery and the mask and the sleight of hand and, and, and those sort of elements that have become less prominent and it becomes more about the emotional drive to succeed in the mission because of who you want to save rather than it mm-hmm. being necessarily, necessarily impossible. But um, I mean, by the, the sixth movie, you know, you've got Henry Cavill coming in opposite Tom Cruise and, those two together are, are really good going up against one another. Um, the fifth movie is the one where we've got Tom Cruise, because he always has a real stunt in every movie, right? Tom Cruise in the fifth one, he's you know, he's hanging out the side of the plane. You know, he's And just to sort of bring back the subject of motorbikes, because I was sort of slagging off the second movie with the slow motion motorbikes, this fifth movie has some amazing... As a motorbike enthusiast, Dan, you would absolutely love the scenes in Rogue Nation on the bike. It's just delightful.
0: It's interesting. I had to make a, a call this week, Paul. I was like, am I going to try and like power through these Mission Impossible movies to catch up to Paul, or should I start Shetland? And I just I wasn't sure with all of our joint watches I could get through all six movies, yeah. so I went down the Shetland path. But I, I kind of wish that I was watching them along with you, because I feel like I just have so little contribute, apart from just being in awe that these feel like they're going to be a great watch, and I need to bump them up the schedule.
1: Yeah, oh, I think if you if you get the chance, then it's it's definitely definitely worth it. The the cast are just top draw in all these in all of these movies. There, um, Alec Baldwin comes in and he does a fantastic job. Vanessa Kirby, Sean Harris as the villain. Sean Harris is a tremendous villain. You know, we often talk about movie villains, like particularly when we talk about all the bomb villains and things. He is absolutely superb. Wes Bentley from Yellowstone he comes in does a great job we've got nigel nigel barber who by the way follows us on all three of our social media platforms down he comes in he plays the chairman investigating the imf and gives basically a baldwin addressing down he's superb there's so much linkages between the six movies that i i do feel that if i were you given that we've got the the seventh movie coming out early next year that it might be like a, a january Let's get on to all these six movies and be primed for the seventh. Or, mm, that would mm. that would be where I might go. But um, no, the, honestly, it's I think it's the the Christopher McQuarrie factor um, that really sort of cements these two as a great package and definitely top of the top of the lot for me.
0: Mm. Good shout! I've enjoyed the sort of uh, trip down memory lane.
1: Now the other thing I've watched this week, other than our three joint watches um i said last week oh i'd love to i'd love to go and watch doctor who genesis of the daleks but have i got time well as committed as i am to this podcast i made the time and so i i watched the the original 1975 doctor who genesis of the daleks which is season 12 um and that's the first of tom baker's seasons and this is just i haven't i haven't watched this in many many years i would say close to 20 years it is one of the classic doctor is one of the best classic doctor who's of all time i've i've always been quite obsessed with the character uh davros um who is the the creator of the dalek so he's kind of like half dalek at the bottom and kind of a bit of a messed up half potato <laughs> he's that's that's exactly what he is um this this is his first ever story, so it's uh, it's his introduction to the, the the universe, and and right from the start, his character is so well rounded. Uh, he's got that arrogance about him. Um, and as Tom Baker's doctor says at one point during the the series, he says, Oh, yeah, he had, Davros has one of the finest scientific minds in existence, but he he has a fanatical desire to perpetuate himself in his machine, the Daleks. And he works with that conscience, he works with that soul, he works with that pity. And he is a fascinating character. And I feel like. I want to go through all of the Davros stories and, and watch them because it is a, a fascinating watch. And opposite Tom Baker, one of the all-time great doctors, it is just absolutely superb. So long story short, the Doctor gets a chance to go back in time just to the point just before the creation of the Daleks to actually have an opportunity to to ensure that they're never created. And there's just there's so much complexity and so much wonderful writing from from terry nation who who created the daleks and this story because there's a moment where the doctor has the chance to to end the daleks but even then he's kind of like do do i want to do i want to do this you know if i touch these wires together it will wipe out a whole intelligent life form i'd be no better than the daleks themselves and he's got his companion um sarah jane there and she's like you wouldn't think twice if it was a disease or a virus they killed millions too and there's just a lot of complexity there's it has aged clearly and you know i guess you could point the finger at the effects or the creatures or the costumes at the time if you're looking at any images from the time it's you know but i don't know that for me i don't even notice it it's part of what the appeal of 70s doctor who is now it's it's made on a budget it's all part of that appeal um it's just it's just great doctor who it's great sci-fi it's it's great tv and it's just a a great storytelling telling episode
0: I think there's there's shows like this like you know like Battlestar, Star like even like the original trilogy of Star Wars where you kind of just give them a a, a pass because yeah. they they're uh a key pillar of the sci-fi community for where they were at in in that point of time. And I think this doctor is the first doctor that I remember as a, as a young Padawan Paul. And I I've got these vague memories of seeing episodes of this doctor and seeing the sort of this Genesis of the Daleks and just being so terrified as a kid when this was on TV. And I, I feel like it was sort of on at about like five o'clock at night or something. And it was a lot. Yeah. As,
1: terrifying and it's even watching it now it's 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 not having that same effect on me as an adult but it 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 is a terrifying thing and it is a wonderful thing and the Daleks of course are probably one of the most famous villains in all of world television and of course this character Davros is the creator of that so it's um it's just a a really great like i'm just looking at the ratings now and you know this series these episodes right up there in the 9.2s 9.1s that's that's my take on it but um as i sort of mentioned last week if you if you're a doctor who fan and if you really want to get into a deep dive on this episode um then go along and and check out uh, the latest episode of um of, of time traveling Team because they go in for i believe i haven't listened to it yet i didn't allow myself to listen to it uh two hours and 18 minutes on this story alone it's episode 78 of time traveling Team and um i can't wait to get into it it's it's really got me buzzing to the point now where i'm thinking each time they get to a davros story i might dive in and and just check it out for myself because what I couldn't do was convince anyone else in the house to watch it with me. But, you know, mm-hmm. we'll keep trying. We'll keep trying.
0: I think you're just going to keep bringing it in, Paul. Keep fighting the good fight. And I think even if you if you can't find anyone, at least you've got our, our friends, Patty and Tricia, out there doing the good work. They really are. Telling
1: the stories. They really are. Time-traveling team. Check it out. Dan, we've got to get moving. I'm just thinking how much stuff we've got on the cards. Shall we dive in to one of our most loved, controversial, always – uh, brings the best out of you, I think. Um, the Walking Dead. We've previously done episode by episode reviews. We made a decision to to watch this 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 section of episodes that they've released for this final season in one go, and then review it in one go. Season eleven B of the Walking Dead. Then,
0: I've got to admit, Paul. I think it's been better for my well being to just review them as a collective chunk of episodes, and. I think you know, right off the bat, I enjoyed watching a couple of episodes at a time, and it didn't, like, I could still sense the old emotion and the pain coming out, and wanting to kind of, you know, get on, get on the phone to you, Paul. No, no, not a phone, maybe a maybe don't a message. Phone me. You know, I don't like phone. Don't phone you. No one, no one's phoning anyone, um, and kind of be like, Ugh. but it, the pain was kind of dulled by just kind of like onto the next episode. But don't be fooled. I've definitely got my share of complaints with this um, season, and I like. I just like. Should I jump into it? Do you want to give some thoughts first? Like, what what are you thinking with this?
1: Firstly, I enjoyed it as a, you know, watching it in one go, which is interesting because so often I like a weekly watch of like a show like like uh, The Mandalorian or 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 whatever. But um, this is a show. Like Yellowstone, like other shows that I think benefits from a a binge watch, so I'm, I'm definitely with you with you there. Um, it's it, it's it's far more palatable, far more enjoyable in that respect. I have a couple of criticisms of this, but overall, I feel like the direction that we're going here is more than anything else. Dan, it's different. And that's something that I've been wanting because, after eleven seasons, I cannot have them bump into another random gang that we know inevitably they'll find their way past. With this, that they've they've come into a, a the Commonwealth, a community of you know fifty thousand people, which is so much bigger than anything we've ever encountered before. Like I think we've in even in the world beyond with the Civic Republic, we had a few hundred, but this is a new scale for the walking dead and so because we get to have something so much bigger and we we get to see all of our communities you know from alexandria and hilltop and oceanside the 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 reapers and all the rest i feel like i can feel that it's coming together for a finale and i like the scale of it but i do have some things as well but i want to pass that stick back to you
0: i think this is um where Walking Dead like Walking Dead died a long time ago for me, to be honest. Like and it probably died around season six or seven. Um and let's say seven. Um and I think that one of the challenges with this show is that it's actually just the same storyline over and over and over again. And I think even though it's exci- it's more exciting to kind of say, okay, we've got the Commonwealth, there's 50,000 people. I don't think they've done us any favors and kind of show, like they've said 50,000 people a lot of times, but they've never shown us like the true scale of this community. True. So I don't really have that much appreciation for it. And the fact that, you know, We've kind of done little time jumps, and now we've got, you know, Daryl, I'm a detective, and then you've got like um – Ezekiel I'm like a secret vet and then you've got uh the other girl that's like I'm a reporter and it's like they've got these kind of like normal jobs and we get we got paid in real money and we kind of like it that was kind of like and then I felt the Eugene story just took too long and I think what's interesting is so in this particular case we've got Maggie who's like I don't trust these people these guys are jerks which you could just replace Carol in that in that role in any any other storyline that we've had like we've just been through this of so many times and it's whether it's a small gang they come across or a large gang we come across them we kind of trust them a few people start having beefs we start finding out things are a bit sketchy and what's kind of interesting with our, our core walking dead crew is so we've had the time jump but all of these guys are in key positions like daryl like you're one of our, our top stormtroopers um we've got this new person who's a reporter stirring trouble and it's just like like news like is this really the way we're going to sort of like unpick the story with i find the sort of the the commonwealth armor and stuff kind of a bit like clunky and fatiguing like there's there's a lot here that i think is just treading old water just with a, a fresh coat of paint
1: I'm imagining like a whole bunch of people behind you cheering on with banners and things and I can feel it. There's a lot of things you said that that you that do ring true. The you know how Daryl got to become one of the top top stormtroopers is is oh, but he doesn't need to wear the armor of course, you know, cuz he's he's special so he can take the armor off so that we know who he is. Um that made no no logical sense. Um the I, I get what you're saying you could easily have replaced Maggie with Carol and yeah, that would also work. Carol, Carol's character I, like, is another I, one that's done for me. It's like, I I, I don't know what she's I, at. I
0: don't want that switch to happen. I just feel like, they, like there's always just somebody yeah. playing that role yeah. of the, of the untrusting person. And I think you're right. Like It's just like, I'm so fatigued. I'm just so fatigued by just these constant same stories.
1: Yeah. The King story, you're right. I, I really like the King, but he needed more than just simply getting surgery and turning into Dr. Doolittle. That didn't do anything for me. The The story with... um what's her name, Leah and um, Daryl's ex, that was a bit two-dimensional. It was it was too obvious. And in the end, you know, I mean, I guess we're talking spoilers. Uh, what happened to her was always going to be, D- daryl that was on the uh, on the other side of that it's kind of remember paul
0: we had those episodes or we had like the daryl episode where he fell in love with leah and i was like i don't ever want to see her again and not only have we had to have like a whole half a season about her now she comes back as kind of like the peak bad guy and what's even worse is you know she has like a, a knife fight with maggie which is we already know the outcome because they've already announced their new bloody series like it's yeah
1: i was thinking got- the same I've- thing
0: I've actually got my... I know I'm really cutting you off. here, We're in a real jerk. Um, I love it, though. <laughs> the thing that actually makes me the most mad about all of this is it's actually AMC. Like I think they've, they've dropped the ball. So with AMC in America, they get the episodes a week before the general public get the episodes. And so we get the episodes in real time with the general public in the US. But the internet is just riddled with, here, Rick comes back, or um, Aaron's dead. And it's like... You like you can't. This is probably your number one show, and you think you're giving your subscribers a reward, but you're just messing it up for everyone. Like, yep. not only is is the writing a, a shit show, so is the way you manage this program.
1: No, you're right. And as a brief aside, this uh, the whole that whole spoiler element side of things with different releases or different news outlets trying to break the story to everyone is is really starting to hurt shows and this is no exception there was actually the, the Mission Log pod guys we're, were were talking about how it's starting to ruin things and Trisha was commentating on the you know what you talked about last week with the Picard season 3 announcements like that's really exciting stuff but it's like can we can we have that when we get there do we all have to there's nowhere to hide anymore I don't know when people say oh I avoid spoilers and I, I do that when I try and mute different things and different accounts but unless you're avoiding everything it's so hard not to to find out these things and so what we know about what's to come in the walking dead meant that there was never any danger in that maggie Leia fight there was Leah fight sorry there was never any danger for for daryl when he was going up against anyone and so it takes the tension out of the scene whereas one of the things we've always talked about the walking dead being good is when someone goes into a room if there's a zombie in there the biters might get him, and we don't know who's coming out but we we do and that's what takes away the tension
0: and I feel like we've kind of just like lost the, like, you know, like they kind of started making Judith like an interesting character. And I know that she's still young and it's probably hard to kind of work that in, but she had this great relationship with Negan. And it's kind of like every time they get something good, they're just like, let's park that and let's move on to something else. And it's like, there's all these just kind of like loose threads and kind of, and look, no offense to these, these actors and actresses, but th- there's just random groups of kind of these like, a and b tier walking dead cast members that come together and at any point one of them could get taken out but it's like like it's all so big and so kind of meaningless now it just doesn't really have a have a heart to it and it's a shame because like i think overall i like like don't get me wrong i casually enjoyed these episodes having just sort of already made the decision that this this, i'll probably never watch the show again um but it's it's I, I get so fired up because I feel like it was a show so full of potential and it's just been run into the ground and it, they're going to continue to do that with these new spin-off series.
1: That is the worry, is yeah, they need to change up the writing team in particular around these new spin-offs because there's, there's an opportunity there, just as there was with The World Beyond. I mean, I how that went to really do something different and actually, and actually mix it up because some of the story writing in this was good and I actually thought that the Eugene story overall with the... Um, or stephanie character and how that i thought that was quite clever and quite different um but a lot of it um i just think just just wasn't done enough it wasn't it wasn't stretched out enough and they're just not taking things seriously like when they go out and they gut, you know when they say oh gut up you know to get gutted up and they used to get covered in the blood and all the gore now now they're walking out they've got nothing on their face And it's like you're not gutted up at all. If you're going to walk through a crowd of zombies, you need to be covered in the stuff. And now they're just—I don't know—everyone's just too blasé. It's like the world we live in with COVID. Everyone's just like, "Oh no, you'll be fine. Just, just, just keep your distance."
0: And even the fact that you know, like, sort of our our um, core—you know—I use the word villain cautiously because I'm, you know, with Pamela and like they just don't like. I just don't know if I've kind of like really brought into, you know who is really the good guys and the bad guys here? And it feels more gray than ever. And it's like, you guys are actually, you know, you've kind of got the society of people who have trying to sort of return to normality. Um, and then you've got these kind of like survivors who have been out there doing it hard. And it's kind of makes sense that there's naturally, they don't fit together, but it just kind of, nothing makes sense because it's like you seem to be so you just travel around these sites like they're five minutes down the road but you've never come across each other before like do these guys know about the whisperers do they know about like uh the governor when he kind of had his thing and it's kind of there's this real short-term memory um i think in that writing room and i think the, the the biggest loss with all of this show is look at rick grimes like you know, a few years ago, Rick Grimes' movie some Me Up." I would have been there day one to see that movie. I, I almost couldn't care less, Paul. Like that Rick Grimes movie better be coming straight to, um, a a streaming platform that I'm already paying for because there's there's no way I'm going to pay any money at a movie theater to see it, especially because I'm probably going to come on this podcast and just moan about it straight away. I know.
1: I already look forward to that. I um, I agree about the Judith comments you made as well because what one of the things I found fascinating and I thought there's a real potential for some storytelling here was the the conversation between uh Negan and Herschel um I really liked that um that whole dynamic of you know oh my my mum told me a a bad man killed my father that that was you and him turning the gun on him and I thought that would be exciting to explore maybe they're going to go do that in the future I, I don't know but I did yeah, because that that gives you that you feel the weight of the history that you've lived through and seen, and especially seeing the, the you know the the character of Negan make amends and try to and like if you were to do a highlights reel of Negan and just sort of see everything he's done, you'd be thinking why is anyone trusting this guy? But when you've watched episode to episode, I think they've done his character some some good justice. I really like uh, uh, the character Michael Mercer, the the big i think he, he's had a better season but my favorite character that i, I thought was good because i'm agreeing with you uh what's her name pamela i don't know that she was overly what i was looking for but josh hamilton as lance the uh the sort of the general guy he's got like a weaselly kind of he's got like a, a saul goodman vibe going on as well i actually quite like him i think uh he's a josh hamilton's a good actor and i think his character is quite interesting there's, there's just a lot of things here that I thought were good and I thought they could just take in a little bit of a different direction. But overall, coming in relatively positive, I think listening to your arguments, I, f- I feel like you're right. I think they have fallen into a number of the old traps again. And um, what have we got? Is We've got eight more episodes that will be coming out in uh, August, I believe.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's our final, right? Like our final eight episodes.
1: That's well, until we get our our um, our trilogy. So with 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 one eye on this Rick Grimes trilogy, I always love to call it a trilogy because that's what they promise us. Where do you see these final eight episodes of the of this final season going? And and in addition to that, so that's where you think it will go. Is that where you would want it to go, or do you have a better idea for the writers?
0: Um <laughs> it's so loaded. <laughs> I think that um I think what's going to happen is like the commonwealth in itself like 50,000 people is like too big just to break up. I think basically our our core survivors are going to have a choice to make. Do you want to go back on the road and you know live your own life somewhere else? um or do you want to stay within the walls and just put up with the the craziness that happens in here either way they can't take all fifty thousand people with them even if they want to topple this organization but it wouldn't surprise me if they were like yeah let's do it let's make a giant herd of humans and move them around because actually most of those people have come to the safety of sort of living in these these compounds so i think you know, I could see them. They're going to end up dethroning uh, the Commonwealth. Somebody will end up kind of taking it over. Like it'll probably be someone like Gabriel or something, and it, it'll it'll be it'll be his joining entity, and somehow he'll get elected. If it's not him, it could be Ezekiel or even Eugene or something. Because I think there's there's some good people in there. It's not just sort of a let's kill everyone in the Commonwealth. Um, so I think there's going to be that big battle. I think it's also going to potentially set up a number of sort of spin-off shows because so we know that uh, Negan and Maggie have got their thing. So I'm imagining they're going to have to go their own way. Um, there might be a few other people that kind of go their own way, like Daryl and Carol and um, a few others that might tag along with them. I, I think to be honest, is I almost just don't even care where it goes because I feel like there's, there's no coming back from this. Like, I just feel like too much damage is done. And I think where The Walking Dead was at its best is, you know, I I feel like you and I have talked about this pre, like before the podcast back when we used to um, write a blog, as soon as The Walking Dead went to the prison and they brought back all those people from the the governor's community, it got too big. And Mm. that – that was kind of like the the first sort of fray in this sort of formal storytelling, and then I think post the like you know, the introduction of Negan was like that was when walking dead was at its peak. I think Negan definitely killed the wrong the wrong people. That you know that kind of worked in a comic book sense, but it definitely didn't work in a TV sense. Um, you, you mm-hmm. basically took one of the you know probably the second best characters on the show, and again you you just made. Bad decision after bad decision. And no wonder your core actors like um, Rick Grimes are leaving. You better stop me. Bro. I'm, I'm going to go all day.
1: <laughs> you better stop me. Um, it's interesting because so many people that I talked about, The Walking Dead, people that were fans, people that you and I would perhaps have talked to back in the back in the day of sort of the season six hype when it really, truly was right at the pinnacle. So often, so many of those people say to me, oh, it hasn't been the same since Rick Grimes left. And, and I agree i do agree with that but my challenge back to that is let's just say that andrew lincoln never left the show and that rick grimes still existed within this within this universe would simply the fact that rick lives in well, what is not lives that rick is still part of the gang and is with daryl and, and carol and and all the cookies would it would his existence change things significantly enough for us to be sitting here reviewing this show and saying different things
0: I actually don't think so. I think it would still have hit the same problems because I think Rick's too much of a of a big entity, right? And I think what they're trying to do in the sort of the particularly the last sort of three or four seasons, is they've tried to tell the story of more characters, and the more they do that, the more it kind of distills sort of the the core of what is Walking Dead. And I think it's it's turned into such a like it might as well we it might as well be the nineties, Paul, and we're watching a weekly. Um, you know, kind of average uh, zombie TV show where there's little sort of thought into the story, and there's a different kind of drama happening each week. Like that's kind of the show it's turned into because you're right. Like this, this was at one point the number one TV show for me, and it is not even probably in my top one hundred TV shows right now.
1: It's it's a shame. It's astonishing, and I guess the good news is it's they're not trying to drag it out anymore and i think even me using that expression drag it out uh they're not trying to continue any longer is is a good thing i i want to remain optimistic for these these spin-offs on the basis that they bring in fresh writers and they take the characters in new directions the problem for me is and i'll be brief because i always say this whenever you name a, sh- a show after two people or after one person and the focus becomes on those characters it, it it there's so much expectation level on that person or on those people and if it is the Daryl and Carol show, for example, then we know f- throughout the season that whatever danger Daryl gets into, he's gonna be fine. And same with Carol, and it's that's the danger for me. If if you take away the feeling of fear in a in a show that is based on a post apocalyptic zombie universe, then what's left?
0: Well I think and this is when you know we've talked about Black Summer quite a bit on this podcast a zombie sort of survival show and I think what works for that is it's like you net like it's six or seven tight episodes you never know who's gonna live or die. It's high stress and that's kind of what like The Walking Dead kind of started as and it's kind of lost so much of that and the the more and more of the bigger communities they get to the more and more you know that. Often nothing's going to happen, and our our, our our main characters are untouchable. And Daryl's a great example of that, right? Like, Daryl was an awesome best friend to Rick. Daryl is not a sort of a lead guy for this show. Um, like he's he's just, I think, not interesting enough. And it's uh, I don't know. There's there's just so many things with this show. And I think again, having a show that's kind of the Negan and Maggie show. Well, so already I know that they're not going to be in any real danger for however many seasons the show goes for like are we renaming it to something else like it just seems crazy and i think you know you've got a show like world beyond which again we kind of like like having to eat your brussels sprouts paul you just got to get through it and then at the end they drop this really interesting information we get a bit more context about how the outbreak started we've got a new type of zombie none of that's used in this context though like so when are we bringing that in it's just kind of this so, like someone's just like kind of like here's a bunch of ideas and they've just thrown them across like the hundred different scripts and it's just like who knows where different ones are going to appear.
1: The good news for us then is that Fear the Walking Dead kicks off next week, and we you know we've got a, a I guess the, the the second half of of, um, of season of season seven. So we've got eight episodes to look forward to, and we can do another binge watch of that because I do have a, a stronger feeling that that would be more satisfying.
0: Well, I think, and this is kind of like I think if it, what would really be great is to actually see all of these shows actually kind of cross over mm. and actually see like I would love to see Dwight and Negan actually meet again and be like yes. actually, what is the dynamic between these characters? And they've both just developed so far, but it's like they don't ever, like they might as well be in completely separate TV shows, which are not even linked under the same brain.
1: Correct. That's the thing. The strength of the show is those characters that truly work and having just even having the idea of, uh, I don't know, um, someone like Strand coming up against Carol. I feel like Strand would wind Carol up enough to actually get the best out of Carol. And I feel like that would be, I don't know, just having those two things collide.
0: Even how Morgan would deal with all these situations, right? Like yeah. he would be so like untrusting of it all. And uh, I'm, I'm laughing to myself because I came into this and I was like, I've only got a few things to say about The Walking Dead. And look, overall, it was okay. Like, it wasn't great, but it, <laughs> I just can't help myself. As soon as we start talking about it, I think it's, I just see the potential and I see how we, it's it's never been hit again.
1: If at any point, you, you know, if you're giving any sort of speech at the wedding, if you drift into The Walking Dead, I'll just give you a signal like this, which is just, you just got to leave it.
0: Just come up and put a knife through my head, pool. like just finish me, like, finish me like a walker.
1: <laughs> a biter, a rodder. How many more names can yep. we come up with them? Oh well, that's uh, season eleven B of the Walking Dead, the final series. We're going to get eleven C in a few months' time. I think that's the first time they've split it three three times, isn't it?
0: Yeah, this, this is the first story. and I think just another sh- shout out if you are going to walk particularly if you're in New Zealand and you're interested in the Walking Dead. Why would you? Then jump on this on uh, TVNZ On Demand because they actually don't leave it up on there very long. No, that's true. And it, uh, they do have the uh, the older seasons on Neon, I believe. But often the show sort of like appears and then it disappears. And I know a few people have been caught out yeah. um, by not jumping on it quickly. There
1: is a bit of time where it disappears from TVNZ On Demand before it shows up on Neon. So you can be left in the, you know, like when they took away Doctor Who. Years ago and never brought it back. Don't stab me on that. That's the new Who, the latest Doctor Who stuff. It's just outrageous. Anyway, um, there was was a wormhole. It was, and I, I, yeah, I I don't want to go down that. That's what I do want to talk about, and I know you do, surely too, Dan. Is the Outlaws um, seven strangers from different walks of life forced together to complete a community payback sentence in Bristol? What are you thinking, Dan?
0: <clears throat> so this is an interesting one, right? So um coming into it, watching the trailer, instantly got excited, thought this is gonna be laugh out loud. I love Stephen Merchant, it's gonna it's gonna be a great ride. Watched the first episode and I was like, mm, it's quite it's quite a dry kind of drama. I would in fact, I wouldn't even call it a, a comedy, and I sort of went on to IMDb, and I'm like, oh, actually, they don't call it a comedy, either. They, they actually call it a, a drama series, and it's one of those shows which I think, I was kind of like, at first, I, I it took me an episode to kind of like, oh, am I kind of a, about this, or do I like these characters, and I think by the end of the, what are we, six episodes for the first season, I was in love with all the, with all the characters, um, and... They were just so great. I love the storyline. I kind of love the dry wit and the humour, and um, it was look. It's just a, it's a good show.
1: I had a great time. I, I it's so interesting you talk about the um, the, the the comedy element um, because we've talked recently about a number of things where maybe it's not quite so um, quite so blatant um, around the. Uh, is it comedy or is it comedy drama is it dark comedy and i feel like um this is one of those shows where they actually they do it well they they dance that line around um comedy dark comedy and drama and get it right um i am um, i yeah, it's it is leaning into that drama, isn't it? But I found myself laughing a lot, and I'm trying to to pick apart whether there was so much of that that just brought back memories of as growing up as a kid, um, scenes from from Bristol that brought back heaps of uh, heaps of memories. And but for the most part, I feel like it's the the, the perfect the perfect storm of all these character stories coming together and the quality of which that was written i just felt like there was all these individuals with all these different stories a lot of them where that was where the drama was and the negative emotion and all those things but they came together as a group and i found it funny my main criticism of this actually is that i just felt like an hour long episode were is really right up there for a comedy type thing for me I've so there's six episodes an hour ago so you're looking at you know six hours and I just feel like if it was six episodes at 40 minutes ago you know that would have then that would knock off two hours um, and I think that mm-hmm. might work better for me
0: yeah it's interesting because i think on the trailer and i think obviously they've really played this up and particularly because Stephen merchant's a creator i thought i was going to get more Stephen merchant and it's i on the flip side i actually think they did it just right because i think he's kind of got a bit of a stick or a bit of a gag and he kind of like often plays a you know his character could actually be in the same universe of all the shows that he's kind of been in from hello ladies to the outlaws like it's all kind of the same thing um but I think it, it all kind of worked quite well and it's interesting because you've got, you know, quite a, a diverse cast that sort of comes together. And particularly the fact they've got Christopher Walken in there is just sort of a, such a wild card, oh. but it all just kind of works. And I think it's, I, I kind of felt like at the end of that it was quite a sort of a heartfelt series. I, series I, I liked how the people came together. I liked how it kind of touched on a whole bunch of social issues, but I think you're right. Like it, it probably could have shaved off a, a bit of length. Yeah. Um, because I think it's it's just kind of – I think it, it kind of sort of dragged the story out a little bit. But I think there's a lot of potential there to um, do something and sort of build on it with season two, which has already been renewed for, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, it has. And it was renewed pretty early as well because it was like the, the highest rated drama at the time when it came out on BBC One, I think, in, in the UK. And like you, Christopher Walken was a real highlight. He, he was just I, – I don't think I've seen Christopher Walken – in a tv show before and so to have him at this sort of time in his life as well at this age portraying this character in the middle of bristol i it just was just a fascinating experiment i i don't know what the sales pitch was to to christopher walken to sort of say oh do you want to come and do this thing and like how, how he got that across the line i don't quite know it's
0: almost unnecessary like he doesn't even he doesn't even need to be there like in fact it could have been any kind of like uh old guy who kind of played this role and it's kind of it's so quirky that he's in there but like it it seems so above his pay grade yeah
1: it's uh, that's the thing every time and this isn't the criticism of his acting at all but every time he was in a scene it Almost took me out of it because it was just like, oh, here's Christopher Walken. <laughs> He's just turned up to do, you know, to pick based on the fact that this series is about a bunch of people picking up litter um, under the tutelage of the incredible Diane. By the way, I thought she was an absolute highlight as the um, the the, uh, the
0: supervisor, the supervisor
1: is. in charge mm-hmm. of them. I thought she was just great. But the thing is, all those intricate stories that came together, which is a highlight for me. The thing is. Maybe they try to do a little too much and maybe we only needed half of the backstories for some of these people because it's not that any of them were poorly written. They were all well written. I just, I, I just don't have something. Maybe it's because I often watch this as, as you and I do, palate cleansing. I, I just don't have the energy to have comedies go on that long, especially when we're used to shows that might deliver up 21 minutes, 22 minutes. And if you get like a 30 or 40 minute, that's a long one. But this is, this is an hour and it, I don't know.
0: And I wonder whether too is that kind of because I feel like they were just trying to really challenge a whole bunch of like social issues and racism and things like that. And it's like I feel like we get that through so many other shows Did they need to labour some of these points so heavily. But on the flip side, are they actually reaching a a different audience that maybe isn't getting those messages? So maybe it's kind of uh, is is worth it.
1: Yeah. I mean, Stephen, as a writer, he really – brought so many as you say so many different social things to the table so many controversial things and you know when he's writing it he's writing all the extreme characters and then the characters that balance those characters to you know it's kind of he doesn't hold back on any of those things and it's yeah it's it's very well done i i feel like would i do a rewatch for season two i feel like i wouldn't it's not that i i feel like i'd don't need to it's, it's just so much i don't know i feel like i have the energy for it and i can't be more specific than that i just feel like though that the quality of his writing and directing because he does both is so good and when i think about how good he is with his solo stuff like like this and like the hello lady series and when we think about you know you and i talk about ricky where ricky gervais is doing afterlife and and, Derek and other and things it's i just think could you imagine if they were able to bury the hatchet for whatever happened between them and come back because, you know, these are the guys that did The Office and Extras, you know, 20 years ago. With the experience that they've got now, their powers combined, I just feel like they would be able to produce an incredible TV show together now. Mm
0: -hmm. I think you're right. Like, I think this is kind of uh, probably a little bit of a a hidden gem to maybe find at some point, but I think it's a little bit like The Detectorist, right? Like, it's a show that i've enjoyed but you don't need to watch again like you know you can kind of or if you did like it might be kind of 10 years later it's not something you're like it's you know to put it in an office context like i could watch the office at any day any time yeah. and sort of get something fresh out of it but this is a show which though good that doesn't require that level of rewatch or commitment to it
1: yeah maybe i need just to labour the point maybe i need the episodes to be broken up Literally into two and have twelve episodes, thirty minutes. Maybe that's what I needed. I, I don't know. That's just how it's, it's been. Not the British way. It's just how it's been served up to me. That's. Uh, but you know, I don't want that to take away from every single one in the cast. I thought just did such a good, good, um, good performance. Such a good Bristol accent as well. Um, the actress who played Rani, uh, Darren Boyd as John. wasn't it? Oh, uh, Rhiannon Barretto. I thought she was absolutely great. Gamba Cole as Christian. Just all the way through, but in particular, um, Jessica Gunning as Diane Pemberley, I just, I just think it was top-notch casting throughout, and yeah, yeah. I, I really do rate this show. I, I've, I feel like I've come in more negative than I was expecting to. Um, I've done a Walking Dead on it, um, and I really don't. It's funny because it have- yeah,
0: I think over overall, I'm the same. Like I actually had a like, I had a great time. Yeah. Um. I. Yeah. I'm looking forward to season two. It's. Look. Like, I think it's. If, it, if any of the things that we've sort of said pique your interest, I think you know you can check it out on Prime Video here in New Zealand. It's 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 worth a watch, um, particularly if you do like some of those other British shows that we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, exactly. And just one final comment: awesome soundtrack throughout. I thought the the music some was very different, and it really it really fitted because they they tried to almost throw in that sort of Wild West outlaws type vibe occasionally. It was uh, it's a great watch.
0: Mm, that's good. Well, Paul, this is this has turned into a long episode of the the Half measures podcast. Shall we jump on into our movie of the week?
1: Indeed. So every weekend, except when one of us gets married, we announce in our Discord community uh, what movie we're going to be watching in our movie of the week feature the following week. And this week, Dan and I have gone with uh, a movie which is credited as twenty twenty two, even though it was actually made during 2020 and sort of the COVID the first COVID lockdown, and that is the movie Windfall.
0: Yeah, so this is a, a movie on Netflix, and it's basically about a man who breaks into a tech billionaire's empty vacation home, but things go sideways when the arrogant mogul and his wife arrive for a last-minute getaway. This is one of those movies that, you know, yeah. we are probably – if you sort of trawl through all of the episodes of uh of half measures where we we probably have got some some pretty common catchphrases and things that we use but this is one of those kind of you know it's there's only four actors in this whole movie three of them sort of take up the majority of the airtime fantastic cast with uh Jason Segel Lily Collins and Jesse Plumes and it's just a i found it a, a great story and a and a fun watch
1: yeah i did too. i I love the, as you say, the simplicity of just having those, well, four, but basically, as you say, basically three characters, and the dynamics between them was was great, and it was hilarious at times. Uh, I haven't seen Jason Segel in, in ages, and he, he, you know, he's, you know, as time goes by, as people get older, he he certainly looks older now than he he was, but he's he's on the writing staff. It was his idea. He came up with this and thought about what would be a good idea to. To, to get a small number of actors together in a, in a, in a small setting to be able to film during COVID. And this is what he came up with. And I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic.
0: Well, I think it, it's so good, right? Because you've obviously got, so Jason Segel who sort of, who's broken into the house and sort of plays the role of nobody or a bit of a, a burglar. You've got obviously uh, Jesse Plemons, who we love from the Breaking Bad universe. Mm. And um, what's the movie watcher there? Our Power of the Dog. Like he, he's such a fantastic actor in his own right and him sort of like just the, the energy that these two kind of bounce off one another with Jason Segel's character kind of you know obviously where he wants money he wants to sort of get in and out of there but everything just sort of goes wrong from sort of start to finish in this and it's kind of a, a movie which I think kind of explores different personality traits and the way people treat each other and kind of history and money and all, all sorts of um, issues like that and it's it's almost a tough movie to talk about without kind of like spoiling the whole plot but I think if you're looking for like a super fresh Netflix movie to go and check out I think Windfall is one of the one of the top tiers when you think about original movies.
1: Yeah, oh, I 100% agree and it's an easy watch as well cuz it's, you know, 92 minutes. I love it. I love a short movie every now and then and I just thought it was um clever how they managed to you know, again, not, not wanting one to talk about spoilers, but like the way the way it finished, I thought was really good because things happened that I didn't expect. And I know that's also a cliche to say, oh, there were some good twists, but it's like I could not have anticipated quite the chain of events as to as to how we got there. And it's really interesting because on the scale of things, what starts off as what would be a relatively small crime, things escalate. You know, right through to, you know from from obviously them turning up when he wasn't expecting them to spotting that thing in the tree. Things escalate bit by bit to the point where by the end, we've gone way past this guy just nicking a Rolex.
0: One of my, my favourite things in this movie, it's, it's so it's a little bit of a spoiler, but it's a light spoiler, is I think when uh, basically... Jesse's character as the as the billionaire is like, how much money for you just to you know disappear and and go? And I can't remember the exact sounds off the top of my head, but he he low balls it straight away. One hundred and fifty grand. Uh, yeah 150 grand and they're both just like that's ridiculous 150 grand is going to get you nowhere (laughs) and then like you know just trying to work out like how much money you actually need to go and restart your life and just I think different people's perspective on it and I think even that's telling right because you're kind of this guy who's kind of I'm guessing kind of down and out um which is why he's sort of committing this crime then you've got this this person who just money means nothing to him and just kind of their different expectations around what what it takes to live your life.
1: Yeah, and uh, just that whole dynamic of like, oh, we don't want to put you out of pocket. Like, they were really trying to help the bad guy right from yeah. the very start. And they were very, um, very modern day, very um, uh, polite and well to do about it all. And like, let, let's come to an amical arrangement here. It was all very, um, it was just funny. And of course, you know, the the writing, not just Jason Seagull, but also, um, Andrew Kevin Walker um, helped him write it as well. He, he wrote Seven. And so there's just a lot of great writing, a lot of funny lines. There was a, a lot of um, what I would consider to be very obvious uh, Hitchcock nods in mm. terms of the the intro style, the way the, the full credits ran at the start over a, a solitary piece, the camera angles, the long, continuous, unbroken shots. There's a lot of things going on. Um, all of the cast good, as you say, I think probably... Jesse Plemons for me was was probably the, the most convincing and the most intriguing to watch I think it's probably his best I've seen him since Irishman I would say I, I don't know I thought he was good and yeah there was just a lot of things that worked for me I think it didn't quite do enough to make me think would I re-watch it again but I, I feel like it's one of those movies that when you've seen it once it's it feels like a one – I don't want to call it a one shot. It feels like a, a one watch is enough.
0: Mm, interesting. I think for me it kind of had almost a bit of a Tarantino vibe, I think. Oh, yeah. In terms of just, you know, the way that they kind of have those kind of like like shots of just the cameras being static and just kind of curtains blind in the wind and kind of you're waiting for stuff to happen. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it's maybe got a second watch in it, but that would probably be its limit. And the reason I say – uh, maybe a second watch is I think now knowing how the movie ends, I think there might be a whole bunch of other sort of interesting character traits that are kind of would be interesting to kind of watch again. But I don't think it's like I'm I'm not gonna go and re-watch it in the next probably six to twelve months. But yeah. I, I would probably watch it again in, in a year or yeah, two. Yeah, no,
1: I see what you mean now. And without it's hard to sort of say it without talking spoilers, but I see what you mean, given that you know what happens there, you might revisit some of those conversations and things. And I think mm. also a really good shout on the Tarantino, because now that I think about it, it's got, I think for me, the hateful eight might be the one that springs to mind in terms of that house setting.
0: Indeed. Indeed. So what's your Guns gimbo running for this one? I
1: will be giving this one a a good three guns. Uh, I, I think for, for what it was, I felt like it, it did it it's 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 an obviously deliberately quiet movie which can lend itself to feeling slow but i don't mind that i quite enjoy a slow movie and i thought it worked well so yeah i would i'd come in three guns on this one then
0: yeah i think i'd join you on the three guns i enjoy the the small coziness of just sort of three core cast members I think that often uh, Netflix originals can be hit or miss about, you know, sort of where the, the quality sits. And I think this is sort of at the, the higher end of those. So yeah, three guns akimbo for me.
1: Great stuff. Great stuff indeed. So yes, yeah, so as you say, that's available to watch on Netflix. Um, I just want to revisit our question, which is, you know, the pick of the week question of everything we've watched. What's, what's, what's the top of the draw for the, for the week. And, I'm going with The Outlaws, and I feel like I really uh, want to re-emphasize how good it was and how much I enjoyed it after sort of pointing out some of the negative things in my review. I just think, for me, it's a really classic British comedy that crosses that line into dark comedy better than a lot of other things that I have seen recently. And I So for me, even with a week where I thoroughly enjoy Genesis of the Daleks, and I love the two Mission Impossible movies, and of course, The Walking Dead wasn't quite going to make the mix for me. It pips the windfall for me this week. I'm going to go with The Outlaws. How about you?
0: I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Euphoria on uh, Neon. I just, you know, thoroughly enjoyed it. Something completely different. Kind of, you know, makes you sort of think differently about things. I just... I, you know, this is one of those shows that for the first time in a long time, we've been like, we've got to watch the next episode, we've got to watch the next episode, Mm. and I feel like that doesn't happen a lot these days, so I think for me, yeah, Euphoria, and that's, you know, that came out in 2019, that first season. Very good. Well, Paul, shall I whip us on over to the news desk? Uh, Only uh, a couple of things from me this week. Just to sort of, I guess, bring an end to our, our Will Smith saga. So he's officially been banned from the Oscars Academy for the next ten years.
1: That's a sentence. Interesting.
0: Naive. But he still gets the keeper's award. Like is that, you know? You've got your academy. You know, he could still he's still gonna come back a hero out of this sport. Like you know, he's gonna like I think something like this is just going to be like a PR opportunity. He's going to do some amazing movie in 10 years' time. Mark my words, we'll we'll talk about it here on the pod. And he'll come back and the academy will accept him with open arms. He'll apologize for what he's done one more time. And uh, the world will be, you know, we've forgotten. We forgive you, Will. Welcome back. He's two two academies.
1: Mark it in your calendar for season 13 of Half Motors Podcast to see if indeed Dan's prediction comes true. Because yeah i I feel like by then, because you know if you think about all the horrible terrors and things that happen in the world, people by and large can be quite fickle and have short memories and i think I think you're absolutely right. I think that will happen
0: and look, I wouldn't even be surprised if it's uh you know Chris Rock's also in the same movie as him and their best friends, and you know. Maybe he even gives them the what I don't know, but something something crazy, stupid Hollywood's going to come out of this. Um, what else have I got here? So this isn't this is sort of like real soft news, but you know news is news. Um, old mate, friend of the show, Giancarlo Espinito, uh who plays Moff Gideon uh, in The Mandalorian, has recently been interviewed, and he made reference that we might be getting uh, The Mandalorian season three sooner than we think. Kind of implied in the interview that we might be getting it in the summer which you know we're about to come up to the American summer Mm. I don't put too much stock in that I think there's quite a full uh Disney release schedule between now and sort of the end of the year so I think that they'll probably want to kind of uh, keep their powder dry on that one but you know I'm still excited and I think you know he's getting a bit of press at the moment with Medical Soul and you know the the internet is full of spoilers in that space so that's another show to kind of keep safe around uh, the Batman uh, a movie that we reviewed here on the podcast a few episodes ago is coming out on Blu-ray UHD and DVD on May 24th Paul I imagine that's going to be joining your collection in some form
1: Oh 100% it's going to be going to be great to give that a second watch from the comfort of your own couch um See that's that's the that's when you know a movie is top notch when you can say straight away oh, I'd rewatch that movie tonight if it was available tonight and yeah, you and I yeah, only watched sure. it what
0: a month ago Indeed, indeed. And then a final bit of news, Netflix has just made a, air quotes, a big update to its rating system. So if you remember about five years ago, they had their, their five-star rating, and then of more recent years, they've changed to thumbs up, thumbs down. But they're now giving people – The Guns of Kimbo rating. That, that's the next evolution for them. Also a trademark is they're going to have a new two-thumbs-up rating. So you can do one thumb down, or if you really, really like it, Paul – Two thumbs up. Better loving everyone.
1: It's a shame the Walking Dead isn't on Netflix because you know you could come along and give it both the both the thumbs up then.
0: Indeed, indeed. Um, so that is all that's on my news desk. Anything at your end?
1: Nothing really to to, to write home about. Um, like you, I've sort of you know, been. This is what we were talking about before. Trying to avoid spoilers. Uh, the 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 radical soul. Um, news and teasers and all the rest of it it's you know stay away from it if you're a fan of the show because that's dropping very very shortly um so still exciting but the other things are just just new content so for mankind which was my number one show for you know our top 10 tv of 2021 season three uh is coming in june and we got a little very short teaser trailer perfect teaser trailer gives away nothing that's how i like it um so that was great and um i haven't watched it but the the trailer for stranger things season four is out and again it's one of those ones i don't need to watch because i know i'm going to be fully fully into watch that that series so be looking forward to that as well but yeah that's all i've got
0: i think i might do a rewatch on stranger things from the beginning i think to sort of get ready for season four
1: yeah i think at the very least I would season three just because if they're going to continue it on, there's, there's so much going on in that third season that it might be worth it. But. Well,
0: it's, it's kind of been two plus years, isn't it, since yeah. we did that last season? So it's a it's a long wait.
1: And I do wonder, you know, what are they going to do around the timeline and the age of these characters, given that you know we they aren't the kids that they were some time ago. You know, mm. will they de-age mm. them? I don't think so. But this, sort of, you know, it's always a possibility. Maybe a time jump might be more likely.
0: Maybe, maybe. Anything in the mailbag this week,
1: Paul? Very quiet in the mailbag this week, but we did—we had the writer and director of *Catfight*, um, Ona Tukul. Uh, he shared our review on on Twitter of the movie of the week that we reviewed last week, which is which is great. Given you know, we didn't maybe give it the the highest of ratings, but you know, it's good to see it still get shared. Um, and then, yeah, last week's peak performance then, William Dafoe willem defoe sorry uh we had three people this week michael north carolina went with three two one of existence born on the fourth of july and the last temptation of christ and can i just say i don't remember much about existence with the z on the end instead of an s i don't remember much about it but i do remember coming out and really enjoying it and it's like is it Zodiac? Is that the Robert Downey movie? Danny Jr. movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's the, I had a similar vibe to existence, and I just always remember coming out of it and thinking, oh, yeah, that was great. So I'd definitely go rewatch on that one. Um, Jason from Wellington also went with The Last Temptation of Christ. And then Paddy from Time Traveling Teep podcast said he struggled this week because William Dafoe is such a fantastic actor and gives 100% to whatever he does. But as always, he came through, he struggled through with a 3 2 1. Shadow of the Vampire Platoon and Boondock Saints I've forgotten all about Boondock Saints as well another sort of cult classic that is that's our mailbag this week Dan
0: that's a real uh, Daryl original movie the Boondock Saints yeah yeah good times oh yeah those movies were, were fun back in the day good shouts so speaking of peak performance it's probably time to do our peak performance for this week
1: yeah so like our movie of the week Dan and I take it in turns to choose someone and look back at their career and say, what's the best thing they've ever done? This week we have gone with the incredible actor Mads Mickelson. What have you got Dan?
0: This is this is a pretty easy one for me. There was really three core movies that came to mind. Uh- and a TV show, just to sort of give you a bit of a spoiler. So I think for my honourable mention, I'm going to give it, I think, for Rogue One. I think just well you know, Mads Mikkelsen as Galen Uso, I think just one fantastic casting. And I just, you know, I really, you know, we don't get a lot of Mads Mikkelsen in Rogue One, mm. but I think he really portrays the, the fatherly figure and kind of carries a, a weight within that show. Which is far heavier than just the scenes that he's in, and I think that's a a, such a great thing and such a, I think a hard thing to do in in the Star Wars universe. So good shout for that. And then my absolute sort of peak performance is I Can't Go Past 2013's Hannibal TV show. I just think he plays such a fantastic Dr. Hannibal Lecter. We get to see a, a whole other side of this fascinating character. It, he just works well with the other cast, particularly Hugh Dancy, um, and Lawrence Fishburne. It's it's, it's just fantastic. It's a, a show I would love to go back and watch at some point. It's it's so good and so advanced and so often above me um, that I have to really sort of like think about the episodes and pay attention. And um, and I, even then I think I, I miss a lot, but I just think yeah, his role is, is Dr. Lecter. Fantastic. How about you?
1: I love the way you say above me. I, I That is a very, really on the money remark to make about that show. Cause that's how I felt watching it too. Um, great choices. I have an honorable mention, Dan, of 2006 Casino Royale as Lachithra, Um who this was my first in my first time I sort of encountered the actor as well so I guess that really stuck with me and as a as a baddie as a villain I found him a mix of all of the of all of the great things that I want in a bomb and having come off the back of that recent rewatch I feel like I can very vividly pick out the villains that I like and want to keep and he is right in there he's he's intimidating but he's also quite weak uh he's 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 sort of got that sinister side he's also very clever like when he he knew that bond thought that he'd worked out his tail and he was sort of subtle and so there's just all kinds of things right down to the the torture scene i just thought he was just i i place him in my top five bond villains there's another thing i could have done along the way and i didn't think of was ranking the bond villains he would be right up there. that's how much i liked him as this um just a quick note on on your choice Dan. Uh, your honorable mention of, of getting us on rogue one i think the, the power of his performance in that movie with, for such a short amount of screen time speaks volumes and i think you would love the the book Catalyst, which is about getting and so, and because you can read it and hear his voice in your head and it gives you so much about I, I just know you'd love it.
0: Question for you, this is just a really like just out this podcast a little bit longer. Am I reading Rebel Rising or Catalyst first?
1: Uh, if you want to go in chronological order, you're going Catalyst first. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's set right back into the, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's a, that's another another conversation then, but uh, yeah, Catalyst first. Um, my peak performance though I'm I'm joining you Dan with 2013's Hannibal Lecter and it feels I don't know I want to say it feels pleasing for me to say that because I think the reason for that is because as a as a massive fan of the Hannibal movies and of of Anthony Hopkins I remember being wary when the show was announced because I I knew him as the sheifer but I was like is he Hannibal Lecter and as you say he really is Hannibal. He's a different Hannibal. And that chemistry, as you say, particularly with Hugh Dancy's uh, uh, character, Will Graham, was just just superb. And, I, you know, the the show aired in 2013 for two seasons and he hasn't returned to TV since, which is, is, is such a shame because, you know, you get maximized viewing, but he just rocks this role. It's one of the most biggest tragedies that this show was cancelled and there's always the rumors that it might might come back but it is really truly top draw and he's just he's just great across the board with Lawrence Fishburne with Gillian Anderson with all of the people that he interacts with and he has a different scary sinister nature that I'm not going to say it makes him scarier than Anthony Hopkins version of Lecter but he he takes it in a different place in a different direction that That makes it a different type of scary, and I just I cannot, I can't speak highly enough. I I feel like the amount of times you and I talk about the show, right back to podcast number four, when we talked about TV shows that were cancelled too soon. I feel like you and I could easily jump back in and do a, a rewatch of this 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 show because it's it's just fantastic.
0: It's probably a little bit, I imagine, challenging to find in New Zealand, but it's. I, th- I think you're right. I think the special thing about Mads um, playing Dr. Legger is you've kind of got a choice to make in a movie like this. Right? Like, Do you kind of try to sort of follow the, the, the OG Anthony Hopkins or do you kind of take some of those traits and put your own spin on it? And that could have gone so terribly wrong, and I just think it went so right. That's right.
1: That's Look, I couldn't agree with you more. You've summed it up perfectly. So, um, no, that is – that's really good and also it's the first time that a character has received the peak performance award twice for being played by two different actors as well because we also had Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal as well so that's it's mm. kind of like how Don Vito Corleone got you know with with Brando and De Niro got two Oscars um looking forward to Indiana Jones 5 I'm not sure what Mad Mikkelsen's role is in that but I feel like that could be an interesting uh, universe for him to play in as well
0: I feel it's got villain
1: written all over it.
0: Yeah, it does. It does feel that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of uh, another episode of the Half Measures podcast.
1: Yes. Thank you for listening in to 90 Minutes of (laughs) of Dan and I talk about many great things. Um, Get in touch. uh, You know, let us know your peak performance for Mads Mikkelsen or any recommendations or anything we've talked about. And yeah, we'd love to have you join us on our social media, on our Discord. And likewise, for our next four podcasts, let us know what you think about the, the first four Star Wars movies.
0: Indeed. And a special shout-out to our Patreon producers, uh, Samara King, Trisha Brady, Diana Kanawa, and Onda Tavna. We couldn't do it without you. If you too would like to become a Patreon and um, potentially marry me, if you subscribe <laughs> high enough, then you know, you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.